sweating. The sweat calculation is an interesting one. I feel like it would go up when I'm in Dan's presence. Sweat, 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 sweat. This episode is brought to you by Nadex, the binary options exchange. Binary options let you limit your risk and trade stock indices, commodities, forex, and more from a single account. Nadex is a CFTC-regulated exchange with transparency, free market data, and fairness guaranteed. The future of trading is here now at nadex.com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. Hi, and welcome back to Bloomberg Benchmark, a podcast about the global economy. It is Thursday, January 7th, and I'm Tori Stowell, an economics reporter with Bloomberg News in D.C., and I am joined by my co-host, Aki Ito, today, our editor for Benchmark in San Francisco. Happy New Year! Hey, Tori! Hi, happy 2016. How's your holiday? Pretty solid. I was in Atlanta. I got all fancy for a wedding. Did it up real big. What about you? Uh, I went skiing over Christmas, which was really fun. Uh, we've been getting almost record snow, I think, in Tahoe. So did you shred uh, it's been the a great holiday? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, <laughs> when we drove up there, it was uh, right after a big storm. So it was some of the best skiing I've done in a long time. Well, with it being New Year's, uh, I personally love resolutions. Oh, do you? Yes. I think that they are so much fun. Even though I don't really keep them all the time, they're nice uh-huh. like a nice way to like center yourself into the new year. But some people are like really cynical about them and think they're a total waste of time. <laughs> I'm usually in that camp. Um what's your <laughs> what's your new new year's resolution this year? So, uh I like in years past, I would always the first day just like make a list of 10 resolutions. But last year, I took a different tack that I'm also replicating again this year. And Uh that's where I like give up a bad habit or something that I like want to tweak a little bit every single month. So this month is uh, sober January. I will be giving up (laughs) alcohol. (laughs) It has been pretty miserable so far. (laughs) (laughs) The, The one week that we've enjoyed so far of January. Yeah, exactly. At least it's not February, which is giving up Chipotle, which is a pretty sad month and also like the shortest month. So give myself a little (laughs) bit of a break there. What about you? What are you doing for what are your resolutions? Uh, Well, um, this makes me sound like a complete lame San Francisco hippie, but it is to meditate seven times a week. Um, I used to meditate a lot more, but I've recently kind of fallen out of the habit. So I want to redevelop this habit again. It's like one of those things, you know, like running or anything else that's good for you. I know it's good for me in the long run. Um, and I'm really glad I did it once I did it. But it's kind of hard for me to get myself to do it beforehand. Yeah. Well, Twitter actually put out a list this week of the most tweeted resolutions for 2016. And let's see if any of ours made the list. They are (laughs) to get in shape is number one. Number Mm -hmm. two, eat healthier. Three, be a better person. Four, be nicer, which seems kind of (laughs) similar to number three. Number five, learn something new. Six, drink more water. Seven, be happy. (laughs) Eight, quit smoking. Nine, drink less alcohol. And ten, save money. Yeah. 
So a little <laughs> bit of overlap there. But as we both know and have witnessed in our own lives, resolutions are pretty hard to keep. And when we fail, it can be sometimes be expensive. Let's take that top resolution, for example, to get in shape. So if we walk through it, you want to get in shape so you get a gym membership, and that's roughly $50 a month, more in some cities, okay. less in others. Uh, and then you decide you also need to get a fresh pair of kicks, so you spend like $100 on a new pair of running shoes. You get new okay. workout clothes, another $100. Maybe you want a Fitbit like you have, <laughs> so that's another $100. <laughs> or do you have an Apple Watch now? Have you upgraded? Uh, I have a Fitbit and um, what's called a basis watch that uh, tracks not just your continuous heart rate, but also how much you're sweating um, and your surface body temperature. (laughs) Sweating. The sweat calculation is an interesting one. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like it would go up when I'm in Dan's presence. Sweat, 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 sweat. (laughs) Anyways, okay. So we've 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 spent all of our stuff on getting in shape, but then say we do all that, and after a week or two, we get bored with working out. We hate going to the gym. The treadmill is awful, and our commitment Uh to the resolution fades, and we don't do it for the rest of the year. That's like a thousand dollars over the course of a year that we've wasted once you add all those things together. And when you multiply that by all the thousands, probably millions of people that this happens to, you've got quite a big cost to society there. Yeah, well, you know, lucky for us, there's now a growing body of research in economics of all things that helps you stick to your resolutions. That's right. And beyond keeping us all from needlessly blowing lots of money, let's walk through what economics has to do with keeping our resolutions and making you meditate every day, Aki. (laughs) Well, you know, economics traditionally thought about people as these rational, disciplined agents constantly pursuing their self-interest, kind of like robots. And in that universe, everyone would deliver on their New Year's resolutions, right? But we all know that these resolutions are incredibly hard to keep, even if we want to stick to them, even if we know in our heads that exercising more or meditating more or calling our parents more is good for us in the long run. So there's this rising part of economics called behavioral economics that recognizes us for the irrational and often undisciplined humans that we are. And there are now all these researchers who study how our behavior deviates from what would be the rational thing to do. And by understanding all of those quirks, we can come up with ways to save us from ourselves. <laughs> exactly. For today's show, we are going to distill the best research into seven different tricks. And we have a great expert to guide us along the way. Katie Milkman is a professor from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton Business School. And she is on the frontier of this research on self-control failures. Hello, Katie. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Katie, I I always thought New Year's resolutions were kind of this arbitrary thing, but uh, apparently there's actual evidence that the start of the year is a great time to set these goals. Um, Can you tell us about your research into Fresh Starts? Absolutely. I've spent some time with a couple of wonderful collaborators, Heng Chen Dai at Washington University in St. Louis, and Jason Reese, who's here with me at Wharton, thinking about fresh starts and studying them. And what we found is that there are these moments in our lives that feel like new beginnings. And New Year's is one of them, but there are lots of others. So the start of a new week or the beginning of a new month or following a birthday or holiday. Or maybe having a new baby like Dan. (laughs) 
That's right. Having a new baby, um, getting married or getting engaged, starting a new job, starting a new school would be other moments that feel like the beginning of new cycles. And at all of those times, we feel like we have a clean slate and it's a great opportunity for us to make changes in our lives. We have extra motivation. And we've seen this play out in lots of different settings. But a couple of my favorites are uh, Google searches for the term diet spike at these fresh start moments. And you can you can imagine why in some cases it might be that we behave badly before these fresh start moments in some cases. <laughs> but we see it also with uh, gym attendance and with goal setting. People set more goals. And that's in health relevant contexts and health irrelevant ones like goals around finance and education education at these fresh start moments. Interesting. Interesting. Is it that we set these uh, goals at these fresh start moments um, more frequently, or is it that they're actually effective when we set these goals at these particular times? That's a fantastic question. So our research is focused on showing that people are more motivated, and so we set the goals, but we also go to the gym. And so... Mm -hmm. um, so people are executing more and they're also planning more. So it seems to be a combination. And of course, if oh, you don't really have a goal and if you don't start, you can't be effective. You got to start somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> so that was our first strategy to use these memorable occasions as time to set new goals. Um, our second strategy here is what you have called temptation bundling. Um, can you talk to our listeners about what this is? Absolutely. This is one of my favorite tricks, and I devised it to trick myself, actually. So I realized I had two problems. Um, at the end of a long day, I found that I really wasn't motivated enough to get myself to the gym. It just sounded like a horrible way to spend time, even though I knew I should do it. And at the end mm -hmm. of a long day, I also found myself wanting to waste time binge-watching junk TV shows and uh, <laughs> reading low was your, novels. your worst guilty pleasure TV show? Oh, no. Well, now I have to insult someone <laughs> or some producer. Um, let's see. One I struggle with now is Scandal. I had a lot of trouble with Lost. Oh, you're insulting oh. me. That's like one of my favorite shows. I love these shows. Gossip Girls, another one I've struggled with. But I should probably be writing my next paper, working on, on grading students or helping doctoral students develop rather than spending time watching these TV shows at a rapid pace. So I had these two problems. And I realized that perhaps I could actually solve them simultaneously. What if I, for instance, only let myself watch the next episode of my favorite lowbrow TV show while I was exercising at the gym? I'd stop mm -hmm. wasting time at home watching those shows, and I'd start craving trips to the gym to find out what happened next. So I've done some research on this concept. I call it temptation bundling. I've done it actually with audio novels, which I personally use. Um, my favorite one ever is The Hunger Games, which bundles beautifully with exercise. It's a great trilogy. <laughs> lots of um, cliffhangers, which keep you coming back for more craving the next trip to the gym. Mm -hmm. And we found that not only is it a, an effective means of increasing gym attendance to give people access to tempting audio novels that they can only listen to when working out, as opposed to giving them other equally valuable gifts. But people actually value it. So one amazing thing that we found is that at the end of our study, people are actually willing to pay us for temptation bundling devices. That's what we call them. So people who owned iPods that were loaded with tempting audio novels would actually pay us to take away those iPods, their own possessions, and lock them at the gym so they could only access the tempting content while they were exercising. Wow, that's amazing. 
And that's not what traditional economics would predict, right, for people to pay someone else to restrict their future options. That's right. Traditional economic theory would say people shouldn't pay for that kind of restriction. But we found about 60 percent of people would pay for this type of restriction. Let's uh, let's go ahead and talk about our third strategy which is is related here is putting money on the line uh, and you mentioned commitment vice devices Aki I I feel like you uh, you told me about your experience with something along these lines not too long ago when you were here visiting me in DC Yeah that's right so about 2 years ago I was using this app that used a GPS tracker to let you check into a gym or track your runs outside. And so uh, you, you set this goal of exercising, let's say, three times a week. And every week you made your goal, you earned this small amount of money. And every week you didn't make your goal, they automatically deducted $10 from your bank account. So the fear of losing this money really kept me going for a while. It's a fantastic example of a commitment device. And there's a lot of research showing that these are highly effective. So any any situation where you're able to put money on the line that you'll forfeit if you fail to achieve your goal is called a commitment device. And this is another situation where traditional economics would say, who would ever do that? Why would you ever (laughs) put money on the line? Why would you want to punish yourself? But self-flagellation turns out to be really motivating. And so there's some studies that have shown it is effective for helping people lose weight if they can put money on the line that they'll forfeit if they fail to lose weight. In fact, one of my co-authors and colleagues here at Wharton, Kevin Volpe, has led one particularly impactful study on that. There's also work showing it helps with smoking cessation. So if you give people the opportunity to create an account where they can put money that they'll forfeit if they haven't successfully quit smoking in six months, that significantly increases smoking cessation rates. So those are a couple of important settings where it's been studied. And there's a great website that I like to promote because I think it's so fun and so effective called um, stick.com, S-T-I-C-K-K, two Ks, dot com. And you can go there and actually set up commitment contracts around any kind of goal that you hope to achieve. You can put money on the line and choose a referee who will report back to the site about whether or not you've actually stuck to your guns and achieved the goal. And you can do fun things with the money. For instance, they have anti-charities. So they have charities that are on either side of contentious issues, like, for instance, um, the National Rifle Association versus a gun control charitable organization. You can pick your poison, which of those would make you angrier to donate to. And uh. then <laughs> say you'd allocate your money to whichever of those oh sounds my gosh. more painful and punishing. <laughs> well, let's take a short break for now for a word from our sponsor. And when we get back, we'll go through some more strategies for how to keep your New Year's resolutions. What do traders want? To limit risk, access every opportunity, and trade on a level playing field. Nadex Binary Options lets you set your maximum profit and loss before the trade, so your risk is always limited. Find opportunities in multiple markets, stock indices, commodities, forex, even economic numbers, and Bitcoin, all from one account and platform. Nadex is a CSTC-regulated exchange with transparency, free market data, and fairness guaranteed. Innovations the financial industry needs, and Nadex already has. That's why we think binary options are the future of trading. And it's here now at nadex.com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors. So, Katie, our fourth strategy is to actually plan out the specifics of how you're going to implement your plan. Can you tell us about this? 
Yeah, absolutely. There's some really fantastic research out there on the importance of having concrete if-then plans to help you follow through on your goals. And really the leader in this work is a, is someone named Peter Golwitzer at NYU. He's done dozens of studies showing how important it is to have those if-then plans. Um, but I've done some follow-up work myself on this, and so I'll tell you about one of my own studies because it's near and dear to me and also close to top of mind um, right now. And that is a study we did where we showed that simply encouraging people to write down the date and time when they intended to engage in a healthy behavior, we looked at this in the context of getting a flu shot, was incredibly effective at increasing follow-through rates. And the idea here is that when you have that kind of an if-then plan, you've thought through exactly the date and time when you intend to follow through, first you've made a commitment to yourself, and, and that is something that's uncomfortable to break. Lots of research has shown it's uncomfortable not to follow through when we make commitments. It makes okay. us feel like flip-floppers. Um, second, you've thought more deeply about it, so it's embedded more deeply in memory. And you've also associated a cue with follow-through. So if you've chosen a date and time, for instance, when you'll get a flu shot, now if you look at your calendar and look at your watch and realize it's that date and time, you're more likely to remember, this is when I said I'd, I'd follow through and get my flu shot, for instance. It can also help us anticipate obstacles along the way. So for instance, if I realize I want to get a flu shot on Friday at noon, I might think, well, I'd better line up childcare and come up with a transportation strategy. And so those things won't trip me up when... Friday comes around and I want to get that flu shot. I feel like I'm really seeing the benefits of this one specifically. So I'm running the Paris Marathon in April, and this is my second marathon. I want to do better than the first one. And I had a training plan for the first one, but I didn't (laughs) adhere to it very well and (laughs) only ended up running like 13 miles before the marathon. So uh, it was kind of a tragedy. But (laughs) this time you made it through. Did you make it through your marathon? I did somehow. That's impressive. (laughs) That's really impressive. This time, I obviously want to do a lot better, so um, I, I'm using the, the Nike running app, and it has planned out every single day what I should be doing up until the day of the marathon, and it's, it's been really nice because I get like a check mark every single time it tracks a run, and I know like when I was thinking about what I was going to do when I went home for Christmas and New Year's, for example, I knew it was going to be much harder because I was going to be on a looser schedule, but it was great to have those specific distances on the specific days that I could just plan my whole day around even a week or two in advance. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that sounds like that app is not only taking advantages of advantage of the benefits of planning, but also of how powerful it can be to set goals and have concrete, achievable, but challenging goals that you set up for yourself. And, and having plans about how to achieve those is then of, of critical importance as well. Well, I, I think our fifth strategy here is related to what not to do, which is to set up a backup plan. Why can't we have a plan B, Katie? That's a great question. And I wouldn't always say you shouldn't. Sometimes you actually do want a plan B. It's important to have those in some contexts. But I've done some research with a wonderful collaborator named Jihei Shin at the University of Wisconsin who thought a lot about this when she was uh, finishing her doctoral program. And she was thinking about what she would do if she didn't get an academic job and realized that if she made a backup plan for herself, for instance, if she told herself, you know, it's going to be okay, I'll just go work in industry and I'll start looking for jobs at companies that might be exciting, that might actually diminish her motivation to really tackle all of the things she needed to do to succeed on the academic job market. So having a backup plan or a fallback strategy in case your plan A fails or goes south 
while it may reduce uncertainty and make you feel better, it also may reduce your motivation to achieve your primary goals. And we've shown that in a bunch of our research together. That's right. So just thinking about failure increases your chances of failure. It's not just thinking about failure. It's just thinking about an alternative strategy you would deploy in case of failure. Right. And, right. and doing that, giving yourself that backup plan, giving yourself that cushion makes you less motivated to tackle your primary goal. Amazing. Um, our sixth strategy here is to post your New Year's resolution on Twitter, like we talked about earlier, Tori, or on Facebook. Uh, Katie, tell us why this is effective. Absolutely. Well, it's it's simply a, a shaming strategy, right? So <laughs> it turns out making your goals public makes you feel a lot worse about not following through. And there's some great work by um, Holland Beck and collaborators actually from the 1980s showing how important it is to make your goals public and how that motivates us to work harder. So if you put it on Twitter, if you put it on Facebook, if you tell your boss, someone who you really care about uh, thinking highly of you, and then know that they're going to check up on you, you're much more likely to follow through. That really increases motivation. And Katie, if uh, all these tricks still don't keep you on track and we end up veering off, let's say around maybe mid-March, is all hope lost? All hope is not lost. This work we've done on the Fresh Start Effect says you can find a new Fresh Start opportunity and start again. And in fact, you might even think about reminding yourself or your loved ones of dates that feel like fresh starts that they might have forgotten about. So we've shown that reminding people, for instance, that March 20th is the first day of spring inspires renewed motivation and and encourages people to start tackling their goals anew on that date. So is that our seventh strategy? Seventh strategy is to go back to the first strategy. (laughs) (laughs) When in doubt, start again. Right. Start it all over. Wonderful. I love it. Well, I'm setting my calendar reminders now. Kitty, uh, do you have any last words of advice for listeners who are about to go and implement all these tricks? One, one piece of advice is not to, to be disheartened, for sure, if you, if you fail. I think that almost all of us fail to achieve our goals, whether they're resolutions um, made at New Year's or some other time of year, when we set ambitious goals. But that's just part of the journey. And you have to pick yourself up and try again, recognize that there are new opportunities at every corner. And and just don't let yourself don't let yourself get down. Keep trying and, and keep trying these strategies and you'll get there. And Katie, we would be totally remiss if we didn't ask you what your resolutions were for the year. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> and my husband, if he's listening, will be very happy to hear that um, my my big resolution is to stop checking email after 9 p.m. and just relax. <gasps> oh, That's wow. a great one. Oh, I like that one a lot. <laughs> we'll see how I do. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Katie. This has been great. I'm going to put all my strategies to work ASAP. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again for having me. It's been a it's been a lot of fun. And thanks to you all for listening to Bloomberg Benchmark. We'll be back next week. Until then, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal and Bloomberg.com, as well as on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. And while you're there, please take a minute to rate and review the show so more listeners can find us. And let us know what you thought of the show. You can talk to us and follow us on Twitter at Akiito7 and Tori Stillwell. Happy New Year and see you next week. We're proud of our new and growing suite of original podcasts, all designed to help you navigate the complexities of business, 
financial markets, and the global economy. In addition to Bloomberg Benchmark, which you're listening to now, don't miss Odd Lots, a deep dive into the intersection of markets, economics, and finance with Joe Weisenthal and Tracy Alloway. There's also Deal of the Week with our mergers and acquisitions reporter Alex Sherman looking at a breakdown of the biggest deals and giving you an inside peek into corporate boardrooms. All three shows are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Pocket Cast for Android, Bloomberg.com, and of course, the Bloomberg Terminal. Check them out and subscribe today. This episode was brought to you by Nadex. You know, any long-term investment is going to go through short-term dips and price fluctuations. Nadex Binary Options let you turn those short-term movements into trading opportunities. You decide your maximum profit and loss before each trade, so your risk is always limited. Trade stock indices, commodities, forex, even Bitcoin in economic numbers, all from one account on a CFTC-regulated U.S. exchange. Instead of just watching the market's ups and downs, turn them into trading opportunities at nadex.com. It's the future of trading, N-A-D-E-X dot com. Futures, options, and swaps trading involves risk and may not be appropriate for all investors.